What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 40. This is Writing Excuses on a Boat. What's the difference between ending and stopping? 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. I was ending and stopping at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Dan. We also have guest star, Nalo Hopkinson. Please Hi. say hello. Hello. Um, our good friend Nalo is joining us on the Writing Excuses Cruise. <laughs> where we are recording live for you in front of a studio audience. So, what's the difference between ending and stopping? The reason I chose this as a title is uh, I know for a fact that Dan did this and I did this with our first books, um, and we talked about it in our writing group. We were writing along. We got to the end of our book, and we said, that feels like the length of a novel, and we wrote the end. And I've had a lot of students do this, both with short stories, with novellas, with novels. They get to a length that they feel is the right length, and then they write the end. So I wanted to ask the podcasters today, how do you decide where your book ends or your short story or whatever. How do you pick that ending? How do you know the length of it? I liken my work to road trips okay. all the time because, you know, for discovery writing, uh, for me, it's often a case of uh, which car am I taking and what road am I starting on? But a satisfactory ending for me is a satisfactory destination. Okay. And the difference between ending and stopping is the difference between arriving having had a wonderful journey and breaking down in the middle of the freeway somewhere and realizing, oh, well, this car's done. 
And I've broken down on the freeway several times in my books, particularly earlier in my career. Yeah. That ever happened to you, Mary? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that used to happen to me all the time with fiction, my dad, I would, I would hand him a story. And mind you, this is not in high school. Like, I'm, I'm an adult. And, and I would hand him the story, and he'd say, well, it just stopped. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, this is, this is a, it's supposed to make you think and wonder what happens next. He's like, well, it just stopped. And, and he was right. And, and looking back on them, it's very obvious now that what would happen is... I had I knew what happened next. I knew what the end was and I would try to leave this, you know, this ending that was that was all ethereal and ooh and, and with the idea that the audience would fill in the, the rest. But what was really happening for the audience was that I had given them this big question at the beginning and had been working on answering that all the way to the end and then I got there and didn't tell them the answer. And it was just like yeah. We do it. We do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nalo, how do you decide how long a story is? Do you judge it once you reach a certain length, or do you know up front? I know up front. I can tell the difference between a short story and a novel. The middle ones, I'm still a little woozy on. But um, with a short story, I often have the title before I have anything else. Mm-hmm. And the title is kind of a poem that encapsulates what you're trying to write about in the story. And often my forebrain has no idea what I'm trying to write about. My hindbrain says, oh, I, we can make a story of the, about that, hopefully. And um, for me, the, the ending of a short story has to sort of fall naturally out of what came okay. before it. Uh-huh. So when you get to a point when you've found that thing that makes you go, aha, and you feel things sort of click, I'm a kind of very kinetic writer. Um, that's your ending. Um, with novels, with at least my first three novels, I didn't know I'd gotten to the end until I got there. Okay. Uh, and um, with my first one, I remember I was writing for a deadline for a competition. Um, and writing under the gun, and I don't write very quickly, and I was writing and writing and writing, and got to a point and couldn't figure out what to write next, and I panicked, my first novel. And then went back through it and realized it was because I had tied up enough of the plot threads that I had answered the question of the novel. Okay, so, that, so, so that's reason, what told you. Yeah. You had naturally, um, it sounds like you were kind of pantsing or discovery writing your way Always. through this, and you got to the point, and it was an ending, not just a stop point, because you had naturally tied off these threads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, the, the mistake that I used to make all the time, and I'm trying to sound this trying to say this without sounding reductive towards short stories, but to, to give a novel a very short story-ish ending, you know, mm-hmm. where it ends with a clever line of dialogue and you're like, that's an awesome ending. You know, it is, but that doesn't mean that your book has concluded, that you've reached these stopping points Nalo's talking about. Yeah, and, and that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the difference between ending a short story and ending a novel, because that was one of the mistakes that I was making all the time. Uh, and in fact, if you, if you read Shades of Milk and Honey, you can see my short story roots, the way I describe it is that uh, the, the difference between um, watching the Olympics gymnastic trick in the YouTube clip and watching the Olympics. Mm. And when you watch the gymnastics trick, you want it to start right as the contestant is, like the music starts and she moves, she goes into motion. And you want it to end when she hits that final, final thing. With when you watch the Olympics, you want to know her backstory, you want to see her warming up and stretching and the process, the road to the Olympics. And then you want to see her do the trick and stick the landing and walk off the mat and see her coach and get the score. 
And what happens a lot of times with short stories is, you know, you, you stick the landing and proportionately, you're actually spending about the same amount of time on the ending, that clever one line. But with a novel, that is so out of proportion to the rest of the story that it feels like you have, in fact, stopped. And you have to expand it. So uh, the, the criticism that a lot of my, my, my first two or three, yeah, I still actually get it, but, but people will say that my, uh, my story's in too fast, my novel's in too mm. quickly. Uh, and it's because I'm not giving people that denouement. That, and that, that's what it means. It's, it's basically you've spent all of this time with these characters and you need, you need time to come out of the world and, and you, to you experience that new... You want to say goodbye to them. You yeah. want to have that final moment. Well, it's not... It, it's, some of it is wanting to say goodbye to them and have that final moment, but I think some of it is also that, that usually when you reach the end of a novel, you have some sort of new status quo, some sort of new mm-hmm. thing, and that you want to experience that, that new status quo, that new... Yeah. I, 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 my favorite example of this, and I know some people disagree... Um, when they made the movies of The Lord of the Rings, they took out the scouring of the Shire, which works really well for a movie. But in a novel, if you don't have the scouring of a Shire, then you don't have them going home, you don't have them applying the skills that they've learned, you don't have any of that fantastic ending stuff where they've grown. This is a point of contention, because I always hated that, um, because it felt like an ending after my ending. Well, um, and I did want them to go home. Which is the primary complaint about yeah. the movie as it is. I did want them to go home, but I didn't want them to have another adventure at home. I wanted that to be in a sequel. That, when I read that at the end of Lord of the Rings, I thought, I've already had my emotional, like, I've, I've taken myself to 11 and then deflated. Now you want to bring me back up to a 6. And I just couldn't. I couldn't. I'm like, no. The, there is nothing this ending can do to compare with having brought me to already to an 11. I think a helpful tool for this, uh, and it's a tool we've talked about before, is scene-sequel format. Uh Uh, For me, it feels like an error to end a novel-length work on a scene. I think ending it on a sequel, Mm -hmm. which is the the phase where you are processing what has happened, then you are... then you get that denouement. You get that say goodbye. You had it cranked up to 10, and now the volume tapers off to 3 and echoes with the whole T60, whatever, and you can be done. If you then try to crank it back up to 6 with the scouring of the Shire, uh, yeah, you may have, for some readers, uh, the good ones unended like me. your book. And the problem with a denouement is if you're trying to wrap up everything that happened to all the key characters... We were so done a long mm-hmm. time ago, mm-hmm. and you're still talking about, you know, how they've learned to wear their shoes on the right feet. Um, with a short story, I try to stop at the moment where the character has the possibility of making a change and knows it. Mm. With a novel, if I'm to put any kind of generalities on it, it's usually the first time they try to do the thing differently. And I don't show whether it start, whether it fails or succeeds. That's um, very astute. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good way of putting it. Thank you. This this also brings up, I think, one of the uh, one of the useful uh, tools that a lot of writers I had never used, um, but it's the epilogue. And and one of the things about the epilogue, as opposed to having a final chapter, that and it's it's a silly trick to play with the reader's mind, but just the word epilogue says. Mm-hmm. This, this is something that I am appending. The story that you have read is over. 
This is a new little tiny story that I have attached. So it gives you an opportunity to change pace. Like if the scouring of the Shire had been an right. epilogue. I probably would have been. A, yeah. You would have been all over it. Yeah. Uh, but Particularly a Tolkien style epilogue appendix thing. I'm like, <laughs> yes. oh, it's basically a new, a new novel. No. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so that's, that is a tool that you can use in novel form it, when you have something, and if, especially if your readers are having trouble with that ending. Uh, and, and in fact, actually, if you look at Of Noble Family, the, uh, the epilogue at the end was originally part of the last chapter, and I, I cut it and moved it, and a lot of my beta reader problems went away when I did that. And Just illust- basically by putting in a chapter break and a new word. An illustration of this also, um, I've heard... I could be wrong, but that uh, the fourth of the Ender series, Boris and Scott Card, that the e- editor actually took the epilogue or the last few chapters of the previous one and made it its own book for these very reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And released it, and it's, sorry, Scott, nowhere near as good as the other ones. Um, and I think it's because it was an appended to the other one, and it worked better on its own. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, Hmm. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Um, And we're actually going to hear a book about a book that Nalo wrote. Uh, So I'm going to tell you a bit about Sister Mine, which is my uh, last novel. Um, Most recent novel. Please do not let that be your last. (laughs) I want more. Thank you. (laughs) I kind of do, too. (laughs) 
Um, Sister Mine is a combination of Goblin Market, which is both the most innocent poem about sisters and the most perverted poem about sisters I have ever read, um, and uh, a bunch of other crazy things that are happening in my mind, including the fact I have these two sisters who are now adult. They were um, twins, born conjoined and separated at birth. Um, they're now adult. They don't get along very well. Their father is in a palliative care home in Toronto uh, and goes missing, as can happen, and they have to find him. The kicker being that their father is the Trinidadian god of the forest, Papa Bois. And why he ends up in a care home in Toronto with something looking like Alzheimer's is um, part of the story. So that's Sister Mine. Excellent. Um, that sounds fascinating. If our readers or our listeners want to read this, they can go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Uh, they can download a 30-day free trial. They can get a copy of Sister Mine by Nalo Hopkinson. It's narrated by Robin Miles. Who is a phenomenal narrator. She's one of the best ones out there. Um, and you can, you can get a copy of the book for free. Let's um, talk a little bit about something that I, I really wanted to, to hit in this podcast, and that's the Harry Potter-style ending. Um, now... Didn't give not many spoilers. I don't know if I can I care about this, but the Harry Potter series ends with a flash forward many years and a where are they now? Ten years later or something like this. Um, and it was all, it was very divisive among the community. While some liked it, many hated it. Um, why did so many people hate an ending like this? And um, is there something to learn from this style of ending? I think a lot of the reason that people hated that one in particular is because it hammered so many extra nails into the coffin on the story. Okay. You know, it's like, not this story's done, but if they had finished it right after they graduated high school, then we could imagine all the other cool things they could go on and do. But as it is, no, we've jumped ahead 15 years. We have seen them grow up. We know who they fall in love with and marry. We've seen their kids, like... It told too much story too fast for people who wanted to take time and, and imagine for themselves all the other things that could have been. I think the issue there is that the Harry Potter franchise at that point was the Harry Potter franchise. Mm -hmm. It was a thing in which people had hundreds and in some cases thousands of hours of personal time invested and being told the end, and then being given an epilogue that, as Dan said, you know, nails so many coffins in the ending, the epilogue essentially says all of the interesting stories that you may be thinking of right now that may happen to them after high school, you don't get to tell because this is where they are 10 years from now. And that can work really well in a shorter work that is not its own franchise, but for the, for the Harry Potter books, uh, it disappointed a lot of people. It disappointed the, the fans who were the most invested in the work. See, I think it was actually something... I think there was an element of that, but I, I, I think that some of it was... Some of the anger was that this really did mean that the series was over. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and, the, and as simple as that, just I don't want it to be over, and this means it's over. The other thing for me with that particular ending, which I think is something we can learn from, is that it's very, very tidy. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. it is so neat and tidy, and it ties up everything. There is nothing left dangling. Yeah, one one of the 
scenarios where that style of ending works really well is in documentaries, and you see this a lot. There was a fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. fictionalized account of a cool thing that happened uh, about a story of, of some Mexican kids who built a robot for a contest. I can't remember the title of the movie, uh, but it ends with, in that same style. And when you do this in real life, invariably, this, the endings for at least one and often many of the characters are sad. Mm-hmm. They're not what you wanted them to be. Here's this amazing kid who broke out of all these cultural stereotypes and made a robot and won this MIT contest. And today he works in a hotel, you know, carrying luggage, you know, something like that. And, and so you don't have that tidiness in real life. And so, you know, if you're going to do that in fiction, I think you need to have some kind of sense of that things didn't wrap up exactly the way you wanted them. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Um, you remember I said with my first novel, I realized I'd wrapped up most of the the storylines, but not all of them. And the thing for me to remember is that um, a piece of fiction is a collaboration between you and your reader. That's why each reader gets a different story, because together you collaborate in making it, so you have to leave room for them. That's why an ending, like the Harry Potter ending that says, it's done, here's what happened, never mind what you imagined, can be so um, unsatisfying. Because you, I like to leave my reader still telling stories about the novel in their head. Yeah, I'm, I'm more like you with this. I, I like to leave questions. Um, I like to leave new questions. I like the answers. The questions that I raised at the beginning of the story are answered, and I leave you with a, now, now what about this? Um, but I think there are valid reasons to go both ways. In fact, I'm going to give us um, uh, some homework um, that is going to try to get you, you, you should be, at your ending of your story that you've been working on as you've been listening to these podcasts, I want you to try to nudge it two directions and see if you like it better. I want you to try an epilogue where maybe you approach some of these things, a Harry Potter-style epilogue or an epilogue where you kind of you, you spend a little more time with the sequel. And then I want you to try to back up. I want you to cut off part of your ending and see if you can get more of this sort of emotional resonance into the part that's left. Um, you do this by giving clear indications of what those questions are going to be and what people are going to try um, in the first part of your ending rather than kind of lingering on the second part of your ending and just experiment with different lengths of ending for your story and see what it does to it. This has been Writing Excuses. We want to thank our wonderful audience of um, Writing Excuses cruise members. We want to thank Nalo for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now, listeners, you're out of excuses. Now go right. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.